For those of you uh, that are new here today, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at this fantastic church. And uh, I want to uh, just share something uh, that's remarkable. This morning, uh, scientists have recently discovered a manuscript from the first century that discovered where the silent night actually began. So I think uh, we have it uh, captured up here uh, on, the, on the screen here just a second. It is uh, when Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem and uh, <sighs> Joseph, of course, the husband, uh, forgot to make reservations. And uh, so they, caught, they, they actually captured a drawing of this as well, as well the manuscript, so you can see it here. Joseph says to Mary, don't be mad. I said I was sorry. I should have made reservations. Talk to me, Mary. Mary, Mary. She says, I'm fine. And we all know what that means. Well, don't patty cake. These scientists worked really hard at discovering this manuscript, so... If you're thankful. Today I want to talk to you about an unshakable hope. Everybody say an unshakable hope. Unshakable hope. In World War II, a uh, Nazi warship torpedoed a U.S. submarine and sank it. A distress signal was immediately sent out to the sub where another U.S. vessel got on the scene. They spotted debris and oil on the surface of the water. So they sent divers down to see if there were any survivors. The divers took their knives and they tapped on the hull of the ship. And they heard taps from the inside uh, using Morse code and response saying, is there any hope? Everyone needs hope. You and I cannot live without hope. The definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Without hope, you have nothing to work toward, nothing to believe for, no desire. What are you hoping for today? Just think about it. What are you hoping for? Maybe you're hoping for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright to come along. You're hoping for a future spouse. Maybe you're hoping for your marriage to be reconciled and to recapture that dream when you first said, I do. Maybe you're hoping to be able to conceive and start a family. Maybe you're hoping that you did well in your finals and your teacher is going to give you a good grade. Maybe you were hoping and are hoping that you'll make the varsity team and you're working as hard as you can. Maybe you're hoping for a promotion. Maybe you're hoping that your kids will love Jesus or come back to Jesus. Maybe you're hoping for a house pig. Not all your hopes and dreams are going to come true on this side of heaven. I'm sorry, honey. I said this publicly as she's at home joining us with our online community. My wife wants a house pig, Ryan. The closest she's going to get, I didn't wear them today because they weren't clean, are pig socks. I have some pig socks. That's about as close as that dream's going to happen on this side of heaven. I just can't. I can't do it. But as my kids know, every time I say, no, honey, they just look and, and, and check, check the time on that because they're waiting to see when that's actually going to happen. Right, Will? No, honey. I said, no. I said, no to a pit bull. We will never own a pit bull. I'm not going to have a pit bull in our house. No, 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 no. I said, no, for the longest time. 
But she got in love with a show called The Pit Bull and Parolees. You guys ever heard of that show, Pit Bulls and Parolees? And so, it's, you know, uh, these pit bulls, they get rescued. And she just has become a dog lover. She has a t-shirt that says, sorry I'm late, I saw a dog. <laughs> and so her friend, who owns a rescue uh, um, down in, up in Ramona, it's called the Rescue Pup, she said, we have a chocolate lab down here. And I thought, well, you know, everybody wants a chocolate lab, right? And so we go down to the rescue, and, and we met Violet. And it's, oh, she is adorable. So we rescued her. We adopted Violet. And then after I fell in love with Violet, my wife does a doggy DNA on her. 60% pit bull. <laughs> the rest is Rottweiler and Boxer. Not a, not a stitch of, of lab in her. You can't fool me with a pig. I mean, I know what a pig looks like. <laughs> Hope on this side of the world is a dangerous thing because it doesn't always happen. And then we have to wrestle with one of the worst experiences and one of the nastiest words on the planet, and that is the word hopelessness. The truth is, though, no matter who or what you put your hope in on this side of heaven you're going to be disappointed to a certain degree you live long enough you learn this in fact the more you learn how to deal with disappointment the better your life will be i mean you can become cynical you can flatline and just not hope or desire anymore that's what uh, uh, buddhism teaches is the way to avoid disappointment and the fluctuation of up and down of of ecstasy down to hopelessness is to detach yourself from all desire but that's not the way God has designed you and I to live. You and I must hope for things because that is what gives you your, that's what all your energies, all your resources, all your talents focus on is that hope, that dream, that desire. We're designed to live this way. And if you decide that you are not going to hope anymore because you've been so disappointed too many times, you're also going to miss out on the other side of hope. Look at what this scripture says in Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. True. We've all felt it. Everybody say, but. but. This is one of the big buts in the Bible. I love this but. But when the desire comes, what is it? Come on. A tree of life, tree of life man. Whew. When you've recovered from disappointment and disaster and trials and suffering, and then a new day dawns, a new season comes, a new relationship, another child or grandchild or a new career or a fresh ministry or a new friendship, it's a tree of life. That's just the way life is. On this side of heaven, unfortunately, though, you will have to hope. You can't live without it, but you're going to have to hope in the loyalty of a friend, the faithfulness of a spouse, the promise of a politician, the stock market, and we're going to be disappointed. And I don't know how many, huh, I just got an oh me instead of an oh my on the front row. Oh, he says, absolutely. Okay, that's the bad news. I do, I am bringing good news to you today, by the way. So if I closed up right now, that would be a really awful Christmas message, wouldn't it? That's right. I've been disappointed. Thanks for coming today. Let's take it.
another offering. It'd be the worst offering in church history. Probably an offering to help me go get preaching lessons. I don't know how many of your hopes and dreams are actually going to be fulfilled this side of heaven because we live in a broken world. But I guarantee you there is one person and only one person you can put all of your hope in and you will never be disappointed. And his name is Jesus Jesus Christ. In Israel's history, the darkest time of Israel's history, God's people was when the Babylonian army was about to ransack Jerusalem and take all of God's people captive. And they were going to live as slaves for hundreds of years. But as the prophet is prophesying this dark, dark, not hundreds, 90 years, though this prophet is prophesying dark, dark, dark season coming for Israel. Right in the middle of this dark prophecy that you're going to be taken captive and your capital city is going to be destroyed right in the middle of that prophecy our God who brings light in the darkness hope and despair joy and sorrow life out of death in the middle of this prophecy he interrupts this prophecy of doom and gloom with this prophecy for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given The government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with fairness, that's what the word judgment there means, and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. For Israel at that time, they were looking forward. Their hope was looking forward to the Savior's, this child's first coming. Our hope is in His coming again. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Go ahead. No patty caking in church. Come on. We're talking about the Savior. Can you throw me my water there? Thank you. All right, we got our patty cake up to about kind of an applause. We'll get there. We are talking about Jesus. I remember when I was uh, the choir director of a mega church out in East County, and we had a 60-voice choir. And I mean, it was eclectic. That choir, I mean, these people were just like, wanted me to get out of their way. All I had to do was just turn around and look at them and say, Jesus! And they just took off. And it was just awesome. Okay, you're my choir now. That's my point, okay? Jesus! All right, okay. I love unsolicited expressions of excitement about Jesus. The prophecy of this son, the capital S, the son of God coming, included his names names represent who you are in america we just sling names around because they're cute and for all you know you're cursing your child with that name right that's why i always we had six kids we still have them and uh 
I mean, my, you know, my wife would say, I love this name. I would say, well, let me research it all the way back through the original languages because there's no way we're calling our son Ding Dong, right? I mean, there's somebody's name in the Bible, literally the name is Dodo. Did you know that? Yeah, Eleazar, the son of Dodo. I'm like, you got to dig deeper. Take your time. Slow down. Choose your names wisely. Names represent, in fact, in many Native American cultures, they don't even name their child until they're like 12 years old because they have to see what the child is like. That could be dangerous. And then they speak, they speak that name for the rest of their life. You're not going to find a king or a queen or a politician on this side of heaven that could ever live up to the names given to our Savior. The first name is Wonderful. His name shall be Wonderful. The word Wonderful was used in another place in the Bible where an angel appeared to a man. And he did a miracle. And the man says to this angel, What is your name? And the angel gave such a strange answer. He says this, Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord replied, It is too wonderful for you to understand. You know, you think about the seven wonders of the world, right? The Pyramid of Giza. It's like, how? Right? That's pretty much what you're left with. How? How did they have the ingenuity? How did they know? You just stare and wonder. Or the Great Wall of China, which my wife has, has been at. And I have a piece of it. Oh, we're online. Uh, I don't have a piece of it in my office. She did not pick up a loose piece on the ground and bring it home to me. That did not happen. You know, 26 feet wide, 26 feet tall, running 5,500 miles. That's twice the length from California to, to the East Coast. She said, you just don't, you can't, there's no words for it. It's a wonder. Well, how about slinging the galaxies into existence with a word? Or two words. Light be. 186,000 miles per second. Light is still being created today off those two words, light be. That's wonder. It says that in the, in the context of this passage, Isaiah is saying that the government, when it rests upon Jesus' shoulders, will be, will be so wonderful, so perfect in ability and inexhaustible in wisdom, it will, his leadership, his political leadership, his kingship will just make us wonder. Has that ever happened to us yet on this side of heaven? When we've had a political leader and the whole world just goes, your wisdom is is inexhaustible. <laughs> Has that happened yet? <laughs> Second name of Jesus as the ruler of the world is counselor. Every political leader has counselors. They're surrounded by a cabinet, not Jesus. Who's going to counsel Jesus? I remember Peter one time tried it, right? Jesus says, I'm going to go be crucified, died for the sins of the world, be raised from the dead, and I'll be the savior of, of, of you know, the human, humankind. And Peter said, no, that's, that's not a good idea, Jesus. Let me give you my counsel. And you, for those of you that know that story, well, what, what, did Jesus, what was Jesus' response? Get behind me, Satan. 
Okay, so let's not try to counsel the Lord. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah 40, 13. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? The way Jesus has been portrayed through the last 2,000 years has not been fully accurate. He's been described as a gentle Savior, as kind, as gracious, and all that's true. But you never see him described as an intellectual. Some believe that when you become a Christian, you have to be renewed by the removal of your mind. That's not what the Bible says. It says by the renewal of your mind. God gave us our brilliance, our intellect, our analytical abilities. That's the mind of God. We seem to, we seem to miss the fact that the smartest people in the first century tried to trap Jesus in intellectual arguments all the time. The leading lawyers and scribes and Pharisees would gather together they would come up with some kind of a some kind of a enigma and they would say oh let's ask him this question it'll trap him publicly it'll make a fool out of him and they did it over and over and over again like one time they said to Jesus you know when he cleansed the temple because they were using the temple for for profit in other words, people would come to Jerusalem from the Decapolis, from the ten cities around. They would travel night and day, and, and they weren't wealthy. They would, and they, and they, have to, they have to have a sacrifice when they come to Jerusalem to sacrifice to God on the holy day. But you can't bring your sacrifice with you. I mean, it's just the, tra- the, you know, the journey's too long. And so they would get to Jerusalem, and there were people there that would accommodate. They're there to help you and sell you a sacrifice because you couldn't bring it that, that many miles. But the prices were exorbitant. It was extortion. They were charging way too much for these sacrifices. And they were doing it in the temple. So Jesus comes into the temple. He flips over the tables of the money changers, drives everybody out, and says, My father's house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. Prayer, But you have made it a den of thieves. And so when he did this, the, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the theologians, the lawyers said, Who gives you the authority to do this? And Jesus, being the sharpest knife in the drawer, no matter where he went, no matter who he was with, many times would answer their question with a question. And he says, I have a question for you. And if you answer me, I'll answer you. John's baptism, was it from heaven or was it from men? And they huddled together and they said, oh my goodness, well, if we say it was from heaven, then all the people will say, then why didn't you believe John the Baptist? Because the religious leaders rejected John the Baptist. If we say it was from, he was from man and not from God, we'll be mobbed because everybody loves John the Baptist. So Jesus trapped them. And they came out and said, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, neither do I. <laughs> well, he didn't say, he said, neither will I tell you where my authority comes from. This is why you and I can trust Jesus' wisdom for every area of your life. Your money, your marriage, your parenting, your friendships, your career. God's will be done. Your will, not my will, be done. That's the hardest prayer for a human being to pray and actually walk out. It comes down to trust. Do we trust that God is good? Do we trust He's gooder than I am? Do I trust his plan for my life is the best plan for my life? 
And can I yield my life to him no matter what? Well, his name is the counselor. You can trust him. And the Bible says there is nothing too hard for the Lord. There is nothing that you're going to face in life that is too hard for the counselor. Thirdly, his name is, okay, now we're departing from the natural. Let's say there was a political leader, a king or a queen on earth that was wonderful and a great counselor. Well, now we're going to depart from the natural. Now we're leaving the planet. His third name, Mighty God. It's amazing to me, just amazing to me, how uh, deceived we are. There, there are so many people that have such a problem believing that God became a man. And yet, in our New Age philosophies, we have no problem believing that man can become a god. That's what Mormonism teaches, is that we'll become gods. That's what New Age teaches. That's the lie that Satan sold Adam and Eve in the garden. That if you disconnect from God and live an independent life, you will become a god like God. And they bought the lie, and the human race has been buying it ever since. And yet we have a problem believing that God could or would become a man. Why would he do that? Why would our God become a man, a human being? Why? Why would you leave glory, all of heaven adorn you? The creators of, creator of the heavens and the earth. Why would you become one of us? Because he loves us. He had to, to die for our sins so that we could have a way back to him. That's why. He's the selfless God. The word mighty God literally means hero God. Divine warrior who is triumphant over all adversaries, including sin and death. There is no one more powerful than Jesus. They tried to kill him multiple times. And it says he just slipped out of their midst. They couldn't even kill him until he decided it was time for, him, for them to kill him. He literally prophesied the day, the time, and the way that he would die. Nobody can do that, but Jesus did it. There was a time when there was this guy who was demon-possessed. The whole town took him up here into the hills, the back backside of Escondido. They found a barren place. They chained him. They put him in a, a, a cave because they couldn't, they couldn't restrain him. And he would break the chains and come in and terrorize the town. Jesus came walking on the scene. Jesus came walking on the scene. Come on. There's not a problem too big for Jesus in your life. Jesus came walking on the scene. This man, this demon-possessed wild man, came running and fell at Jesus' feet and said, Do not torment us before the time. These were the demons crying out through the man. Even demons recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, the mighty God, the hero God. The next name is Everlasting Father. Now this is a weird one for us, right? Because how can Jesus be the Father? Well, this brings the Trinity into play. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is clear in the Word of God. Jesus said, the Father and I are one. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, 
that were trying to trap him one day. They said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, Abraham was looking forward to my day and he saw it. And they said, how, how, how can you say that you saw Abraham? Well, you're not even 50 years old. And Jesus said, I am. It was the exact same word that God used when Moses said, who should I say send me to deliver my people out of Egypt? And God said, I am that I am. It's the exact same phrase Jesus used when they said, who are you? I am. And so they tried to stone him to death again, but he wouldn't let them. Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just beautiful. But look what the Bible says about the Father. This may not be a good word for you. I was having um, lunch with a friend this week, and he said to me, I have never used the word Father when I address God because it doesn't work for me. Some of you have had a very negative experience with your earthly father, and it, and it, it really skews your view of God. And when you say Father, it's not, a, it's not a positive thing. I want to say to you, Jesus is the everlasting Father. He has the Father's heart for you. Look at the Bible says about God as Father. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. My wife has had to say to me, not anymore, but when my kids were younger, she would have to say to me, as steam is coming out both ears and my hair standing up on end, and my eyeballs are saucers, and I'm getting my teeth, oh! <laughs> and she says, honey, they're only children. I'm aware of that. That's the problem. Like one time when, you know, we were Skyping, right, when that first came out, and, uh, my, my family in Ohio was on the screen. It was like the first time both families got together on the East Coast and the Midwest, and we're all seeing each other. One of my kids, didn't, you know, just young, didn't know how to behave. They got so excited seeing the family that he took what was in his hand and, and banged the screen, right? And so to this day, I've got this big crack going down, a little scratch on my screen. And every time I look at it, I'm reminded, they're only children, honey. This week, I had a very long, very stressful day. You ever had one of those before where it's like the end of the day and there's nothing left? And then I had a little confrontation with one of my teenagers. And I overreacted. And I got into a, com I got into a conflict and I started saying things that were just irrational. And everybody in the family knew it, but I kept pretending like I know what I'm talking about. You know, that I'm right, you're wrong. This, this is the way it's going to be, right? Uh, I was just off. And so, you know, in that moment you're thinking, I will never apologize. I was right. My, so I, look, I get a text. My wife's sitting next to me on the couch. I think you're wrong. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm going out for a drive, right? And so the next morning, I go up into my child's bedroom, and I said, I'm sorry. I, I was really a jerk last night, and I was off. And of course, then, the first one that humbles themselves wins, right? Because then the other person, not wins, but... You can play this game multiple ways. 
And my child said, I, 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 I was wrong too. And we made up. And we had an amazing day. But here's the thing about God as your heavenly father. He will never have to apologize to you because he's the perfect dad. He's tender and compassionate. He knows that we are dust. The Bible says that Jesus would not break a bruised reed. You ever see a reed uh, that's just bruised? You know, it gets brown down here, and it's, 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 and it just starts to bend over. It says Jesus was so gentle, he would not break a bruised reed. Or you get a little candle when you have your candles lit for Christmas this year, and it's all beautiful, and one's about to go out. It says Jesus was so gentle, he would not even put out a flickering candle. Sometimes your life is flickering. You feel that way. Sometimes you've been bruised. God is not going to come along and be gruff with you. It says Jesus is gentle, so gentle that if you're like a candle about to go out, he will not move in you and on you and in your life in such a way that he would put your candle out. He's gentle. And Jesus, the Bible says this, Jesus says, I have been with you all this time, Philip. Philip says, show us the Father, saying to Jesus. And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? And the last name is the greatest name of all, and that is the Prince of Peace. How many of you need a little more peace in your life, in your soul, in your mind, in your relationships, maybe in our world? Some of you may feel like those sailors that were in the submarine tapping on the hull of the ship using Morse code. Is there any hope for my marriage? Is there any hope for me? Is there any hope for my relationship with God? Is there any hope for our nation? Is there any hope for our world? I want to say that until Jesus reigns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace in the millennium, we will never have world peace. But you can have peace in your heart starting today. Because when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Prince of Peace moves inside of you. Every time I pray with somebody to receive Jesus, I always ask them, what do you feel right now? The answer all the time is peace. I feel this burden has just lifted off of me. Isn't that right, Elvis? Yes, Elvis is in the building. He's sitting on the front row. Out of all the churches, Elvis likes this one the best. <laughs> Elvis gave his life to the Lord recently. What do you feel? This burden is lifted off of me. Kenya, you gave your life to Jesus. You said the same thing. I get the same answer from everybody I pray with that receives Christ. Jesus said that he gives us peace and it's his peace. He says the world can't give it to you. It's the peace I give to you. The, world, the word peace means shalom. It means health, well-being, prosperity, happiness, the end of strife. This began. The kingdom of Jesus began when he came to the earth. That's what Christmas is all about. That is when the first opportunity in the history of the world was made available for human beings to enter the kingdom of God and come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. In the future, it'll be the fulfillment, the fullness of his reign, but it begins right now in your heart if you receive Jesus as your Savior. That's why it says in Luke chapter 2, 
Then all at once in the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared. The very armies of heaven. I want to ask you a question real quick. I've got to come to a close. The armies of heaven. Why were the armies of heaven at the birth of Christ? Because there's a war over the souls of men and women on the planet. There's heaven and there's hell. And Jesus came to the earth as our Savior to save us from an eternal destiny apart from the living God. That's why the armies of heaven were present when Jesus came, because His kingdom and all of His warriors came with Him. And they all praised God, singing, Glory to God in the highest, and the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace. Everybody say peace. peace. For there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. All other religions, all other religious leaders, all other, all other belief systems will leave you empty and hopeless. Look at this quote from one of the most revered spiritual leaders of the history of the world. He said this, My days are numbered. I'm not likely to live very long, perhaps a year or a little more. For the first time in 50 years, I find myself in the slough of despond. All about me is darkness. I'm praying for light. Do you know who said that? Mahatma Gandhi. What a good man. But he did not have the answer for eternity. Nobody does but Jesus. For those who put their trust in Jesus, we know where we are going when we die. Look what the Apostle Paul says in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven again, this time, not as a baby, with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. The truth is you cannot experience the peace of God until you have peace with God. You cannot experience peace with God through any other religion, any other belief system, or by your own good works and good behavior. You're not going to get to heaven, stand at the gates, and then say, oh, well, as people say to me when I ask them, if you were to die tonight, will you go to heaven? If they say yes, I say why? They said, well, because, say it out loud, I've been a good person. The problem with that is every human being has sinned. And one sin keeps you out of heaven. Because God is a holy God and heaven is a perfect place and you're not going to come and stink it up. You can't have peace with God until you have peace um, you put peace of God until you have peace with God. The good news is salvation is a free gift. That's what Christmas is all about. The gift of God. Look at these last two scriptures. 
God saved you by His grace when you believed. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead, and is coming back again? If you believe that and you receive Him as the gift of God to you this Christmas season, you will receive the best gift you will ever receive on this side of heaven, and that is the gift of salvation. Let's read it again. God saved you by His grace. When you believe, you can't take credit for this. It is a, say it out loud, a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And the final scripture, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you need to come to Jesus today for the forgiveness of your sins? If you have never received Jesus, if you've never received the gift of Christ, you can do it right now. I'm going to pray a prayer for you to receive Him right now. And when you do this, you're going to experience the peace that only Jesus can give. It's going to enter your heart and you're going to feel it. It's the forgiveness of God of every sin you've ever committed. And for some of you, Maybe you're playing church today. You're here because you have to be here. Your parents brought you here. Your husband or wife brought you here. Or it's Christmas. You're a CEO, a Christmas and Easter only Christian. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. And you are here. You're singing the songs. Maybe you've even given your life to Jesus at some time in your life, but you're far from him. And you don't have the peace of Jesus ruling your heart anymore because you have been in a power struggle with God. You want to live your life your way. And yet God wants you to follow His Son Jesus fresh and new. For some of you, you're loaded with shame because you've sinned after you came to Jesus. Well, join the club. Jesus forgives you of all your sins fresh every day because you need it. The grace of God is for you today just as it was the first day you gave your life to Jesus. Would you all stand with me today? I want to pray a prayer for those of you who have never received Jesus before and you want to do that right now. For those of you who have received Jesus but you're distant from Him and you want to come close to Him again today. Would you just close your eyes right where you are there? And for those of you online, this is for you as well. If you have either never come to Jesus, and this Christmas service, you now know what it's really all about. It's about Him saving you. And it's a free gift. You've never received Jesus before, or you want to come back to Him. Would you raise your hand right where you are? And say, this message is for me. I need to give my life to Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins right now. Or I need to come back to Him. I need a fresh start with Jesus. If that's you, will you raise your hand really high so I can see it in here today? Okay, I want to pray this prayer with you and you're going to experience the peace of God. Just pray this prayer out loud to God because He's here and He's listening. 
Say, God, I believe that you came to earth as the Son of God for me. I receive you now, Jesus, as my Savior. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can have the joy and the peace that only comes from you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Amen and amen. Let's give God praise for who He is. Let's get our eyes back on Jesus as we sing this last song in our Christmas service to God, Jesus, the hope of the world. And if you need prayer, I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up front here. Because for some of you, this message struck home. And you want prayer. You need prayer. So the prayer teams, please move from your seats to come up front here. These prayer teams see miracles. Maybe you need a physical healing in your body. We believe that Jesus is still doing miracles today. There's not a sickness or disease in your body that Jesus can't heal. Maybe some of you are still buried in guilt and shame. You need to come up here and let these prayer teams pray with you. And you're going to experience the freedom of God for a fresh start. Some of you, maybe your marriage is struggling. You feel there's no hope. Come up to these prayer teams. Let them pray over you. And let the God of hope breathe hope into you again. For the rest of you, as we leave, as we sing this song and they go, I want to encourage you, as you have your festivities over the next couple of weeks, maybe with relatives that you're not looking forward to seeing, I want you to remember this one thing. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So love the unlovely. Be kind to the unjust. Be gentle with the gruff. Because you're representing the Son of God. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. Come on. He's awakening the hope in me by calling for my destiny. He's breathing life into my soul. I will thirst for Him and Him alone. He has gone like a Showers on So my heart, a tongue confess. Jesus Christ, away.
to pray for any of you who need prayer and uh, i'm going to ask the band just to continue to worship for those who might want to stay in worship um, i'm going to stay up here to meet with any of you who are here for the first time i'd love to meet you as well but go be the salt and light of the world because jesus because people need to see jesus in you amen god bless you and merry christmas <laughs>